And welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I'm your host, Stephen Weed, joining back after my trip in Aruba. I do miss it. Even though it is 60 degrees here in Columbus, I can't really complain because I came back to around 20 to 25. Always join me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my co-host, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Before we toss it over to him, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. Tabbies.com, T-A-B. E-A-S-E.com. Make sure to use promo code football for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. It's been too long since I've seen that gorgeous face, but now that's going to be our schedule here now that the Super Bowl is done, unfortunately. But Wally, how were you? And most importantly, thank you for holding it down. You are the man last week. Like every time, it's not the same when you're not here, so I am happy you're back. But I am a little jealous about Aruba. We'll have to hear about that. I am looking out my window like an old person, though, with it getting warm today. You feel the spring in the air. I'm calling bullshit on that groundhog saying he sees his shadow. It's springtime. We're done here. Especially now that the Super Bowl, it's even a week later. Now it really feels like spring. We're already halfway through February. I'm a diehard hockey fan, so I'm kind of easing into that transition right now. But outside of that... I just turned the heat off. I just opened the windows. It is... Oh, it feels nice. It's going to hurt really bad in two weeks when it snows again for no reason. False spring. It happens every year. People in the South, you don't really have to deal with that too often. It is a real thing up here. It is. And I'm, like I said, I'm already convinced. Like, I've decided it's spring. So even when it does inevitably snow on, like, March 7th, you'll see my fat ass in my shorts. I'm going to have my, my big man attire, got my hoodie. I'm ready to go. This is good times. Is that your classic NASCAR shirt that you would always wear? Did you cut the sleeves off of that thing? I had to because I went painting this year and there's paint stains all over it. So I just decided at that point, if it's already going to be a bum shirt, I'm going to really lean into the whole bum thing. So yeah, I've like I said, I got my 290 frame here in this cute little tank top, purple tank top at that Daytona 500 this weekend. Got to rep Danny Hamlin. Hey, I don't blame you and I wish... This is the all-time I wish we had our show with video, which we will get to hopefully sooner rather than later because Wally's fit right now with the, the Penguins flat brim with just the the flow out. It's it's Florges. Flojus? Flojus. That's the, that's the word that we decided on, right? You're the doctor you, in English. You're the now. one who created the world. Word. You created the world. Thank you. It's the whole world in your hand. Sorry, it's super. What? That's gonna go straight to my head. Don't give me that confidence. (laughs) See, it's it's the post Super Bowl show, so I'm already all fired up. Even though I was a little disappointed with how it went, this is a great day. But before we get into the Super Bowl, we have to touch a few things, at least from a I guess housekeeping. First of all, I want to hear what's going on in Aruba, and then we have a few other things we have to talk about here. Aruba is gorgeous. If you ever have the opportunity to have a trip there, it's actually pretty decent. Travel time, we got there in about, I would say, five, five and a half, six hours total on the plane. Now, flew to Baltimore and then about four and a half there. I just loaded a shit ton of Ozark, zoned out, looked up, and we were landed. It's gorgeous. Iguanas are everywhere. I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my mind, but there's iguanas everywhere. They're like fucking squirrels. The beach, the drinks. I'm not a liquor guy. If you guys know me, you know I don't drink liquor. But if I'm at the beach, you know I need a frozen cocktail, a little bit of that pina colada, maybe Miami Vice, a pina colada and a strawberry daiquiri, mix a Rooney, or maybe a little hurricane action. I was feeling nice, got a little bit tan, 
No, you're looking good. Shout out to my buddy, Paula Marinaccio, and his now new wife, Miss Katie Marinaccio. That's the reason that we were down there. The wedding was gorgeous. I was enclosed for a total of 20 minutes because after the short ceremony, which they did allow us to drink at, which was awesome, just sitting in there, just throwing them back. The two best men walking down the aisle, just throwing it back. Did, did some pictures, and then the mom looked at me. The groom's mom looked at me and said, all right, go change. Get in there. Had the beach right here, then just went up into the pool with a nice swim-up bar. Of course, it's an open bar as well, and they were just on us hand and foot. You know why, Wally? I slipped the, the guy that kept serving me, slipped him a 50. I said, I'm coming to you all night. And he said, yes, sir. So every 10 minutes, I felt like Matt McConaughey, come over every 10 minutes until I'm really drunk, and then after that, come over every five minutes with a new drink. Biggest pro move ever, by the way, too. Just to cut you off for a second, sorry. But if you, at the beginning of a trip, like it looks like you're being like a hardo, going in and giving the guy a big tip, but you notice, I'm sure you did, it's the perfect way to get their attention for the entire time. You immediately are friendly with one another. They're going to look out for you. You throw them a little extra bonus at the end, and all of a sudden, it, you both win. It's a great trip. And fruity drinks, I don't even blame you. Bahama mama, sex on the beach. I don't care what it is. If I'm on vacation, give me all the looks. We got to have a snorkeling trip. I got to see some sea turtles up close and personal. That was wild. You know, Paulo said that he's... Paulo's family's been going there for about 40 years. He's probably gone about 12 times over his span, you know, since, you know, he is my age. So he hasn't been here the whole 40 years. Said he's never been able to see sea turtles. Well, everyone's there. We saw him. We also saw a fucking barracuda, which is insane. But we didn't see it until after we were watching the GoPro footage. One of the other people brought, Mr. Logan Sprung. And we're like, wait, what the fuck was that? And there was two of them that swam by. Scary as shit. Either way, got my ass whooped in golf. Gorgeous course. Windier as shit. Windier than shit. And we got to see an engagement on the last night. There was something to do every day. It was going. Oh, and I, and I won about like maybe $25 at the casino after having an outrage because they would only bring me one drink at a time as opposed to two, which I still think is bullshit. And I will stand by that probably until the day I'm dead. Gorgeous place. We'll go again. I cannot wait. I My feet still have some blisters from the sand. And man, do I miss it. Just floating in the crystal clear water. And if you, for those who don't know where Aruba's at, and I'm sure I've gone over it, it's just right off right off the tip of Venezuela, right, in, right underneath the hurricane path that's out there. So they never get hit. They barely get rain. There's probably 10 minutes of rain throughout the whole week. And constantly 85 degrees. Anywhere from 80 to 90 degrees, essentially. It was gorgeous. I can't wait to go back. Maybe we'll go back. Maybe we'll make it like a little couples retreat. Just me and you go get couple massages, go hang out by the pool. You in? Don't tease me with a good time. But you mentioned barracudas. And I have to tell you a real quick story because it popped into my head. Is that when my family went on a cruise like five, six years ago, my dad and I, we went on a little fishing trip together. It was like a four hour all inclusive. You, you bet, give whatever I want to say 150 bucks, which is, it was steep, but you're on vacation and they basically guarantee that you're going to catch a few fish while you're out there. Well, my dad's not a deep sea fisherman guy. I mean, I've only been out a few times, but they literally will literally bait this for you. They're force feeding you beer while you're just driving around the Island. And it was kind of a dull period. Like, man, I don't know what to tell you guys. I'm sorry. It's, 
Little Dead today, and other people didn't come out, so it's just me and my dad. It was awesome. My dad finally gets a bite, like two and a half hours into this three and a half hour, four hour trip. He doesn't do anything. I don't know what he's thinking, but he's sitting there watching the, the reel just bouncing around, and then the guy comes running over, grabs it, and as he's grabbing it, you see a barracuda break the water. And by the time he starts reeling it in, the barracuda's already off the line because my dad just let it chow down on the food just enough for them to go. And literally just turns around. My dad doesn't know the fish. Uh, what was that? And just disgusted. That was a barracuda. Like, I, and then I had, it reflects on me too. So here I am sitting next to him, the guy that also didn't catch the barracuda. It just, oh, I had to tell you. But anyways, those kind of trips, if you can do them, awesome while you're down there. You also have some fun news on your friend front, your buddy. Why don't you let us know what's going on with him? First off, I wanted to piggyback off what you said. That is the one thing I wish I did in Aruba. And next time I go, I'm definitely going to try to deep sea fish out there. It would, it would be amazing. I've never, I've never had the experience the first time in South America. I think that'd be kind of cool. I'm just saying. I don't know. Mr. and Mrs. Adam Alfonso. Emily Alfonso, bringing in their first of a couple, maybe only, child in the world. And now we finally not only find out it's a girl, but Miss Clara Joy Alfonso. I want to say Thursday. I feel horrible. Last Thursday, I feel horrible because I just got off the phone with Adam maybe about an hour ago. That's probably something I should have asked. I was just happy that he's not really sleep deprived yet. But congratulations to you two. Love you guys. Some of my best friends that I've had since moving up in Columbus and couldn't be happier for them outside of the fact that she's probably going to grow up a Bears fan. So my Packer stuff is on the way for her. Don't you worry, guys. Awesome news for Adam Alfonso and the family. Very excited. Girl dad. Officially girl dad. And it makes me feel really old when we see our friends not only getting married. You go down to Aruba. Then you have your buddy Adam have a kid. I have my buddy Hayden, the guy that I do the podcast with for Pigskins and Nylon. He's expecting a child here. Hey, no free ads. No free no ads. Free ads. No free ads. You're right. <laughs> but he's also expecting a little girl here in the next week, week and a half. And I, meanwhile, am like excited about cutting the sleeves off my purple Denny Hamlin shirt. And that's like an achievement in a day. I, I don't know what to even make of all these people growing up. And here I am stuck hosting a podcast like every 20-year-old white guy in the world. If anyone can do it, it was Adam. He is... He has been ready for this, and and Emily, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not worried at all. I know that she she's been ready, and you know Adam's been asking for it for they both have been asking for it for a while, and Fonz is gonna make a perfect girl dad. He's gonna be the coolest dad. I don't. don't I get, haven't just even don't get met on him. his bad side. Just do not get on his bad side. See, I haven't even met him yet, but even just a little text exchange or Twitter exchanges from him, I can tell he's a really cool dude, and hopefully he can kind of keep you from corrupting his young little girl, I guess. Hey, go pack go. You, who doesn't like cheese? Unless she's lactose intolerant, then I guess it's made to be a Bears fan. Make her a, or buy her an ownership stake of the Packers so that she can be a Packer owner from the age of like one on. Holy shit. I'm, I'm just going to throw her name on the season ticket holder. Yeah, and exactly. I'm, so when she I'm has gonna, kids, she can be ready. I'm just going to keep planting seeds. And I'm like, okay, and then eventually she's going to blossom into just... 
Once she hits her teenage years, she doesn't want to do anything. She's not going to listen to Adam. She doesn't want to listen to her dad. She'll be like, cool, cool, Uncle Steve. I'm, I'm a Packers fan now. And I'll just be sitting there, double fingers like Homer when he's trying to... Dig him off out of the movie. <laughs> yeah, when he, yeah, when he's in the sinkhole, just double fingers. Oh, I can't wait. As you should. As you should be excited. Before we get too crazy far in here, you're a music head. This halftime show this year... Is it safe to say it was one of the best ever, at least for our generation? It was that moment like when we were growing up where we get to look at our parents and we're like, God, these people are old. We're those people now. We grew up with these old halftime show singers. Yeah, and even even, you know, the people pushing 40, you know, this was that 40 to like 25, maybe 20 range. So this was a wide variety. It was awesome. I love Dr. Drape, love Snoop Dogg. I thought they were obviously just the bell of the ball there at the halftime show. But Dr. Dre's being out there, just going on the piano, just doing what he does. It it was awesome. Snoop Dogg. Too bad he didn't smoke on the stage. But all the video came out after. And I know someone who took my guy, Evan Desker. He took a Super Bowl prop that Snoop Dogg will smoke on stage. So with that video being leaked of him technically on stage, but not in anyone's eyesight, I wonder if that's going to count now. That's beside the point. 50 Cent dropping down. Hilarious. Dollar well, 50. Meat, at that point, a dollar 50, but I don't want to follow that trend. I just want everyone to just push the, everyone go look at the memes. It They were hysterical, but love that 50 was on there, even though he's a New York guy. So I don't really know how I feel about that. Kendrick Lamar was awesome. I wish we had more of Kendrick Lamar. His performance was cool, but it was very short-lived. The same way with Eminem. Of course, he played his generic song, and and I thought that he could have been more involved, but at the end of the day, this is a this is an L.A. A lot of Compton around there, too, between the three of them were LB, Long Beach for Snoop, but right around that area. So I liked it a lot with the integration of Dre really leading it. Why not bring Ice Cube? I thought Ice Cube would have been a nice man. Not, not, I like 50, but why not Ice Cube? Or, or why not a Tupac hologram? Because they, they played a little bit of California Love and a couple other references. I'm just saying, that would have been cool. It would have been. But I, I think that they're almost trying to keep it as vanilla as possible so that as many different demographics like it. Because you already got to see so many people bitching and complaining about this halftime show. When what was there to bitch and complain about? It's like we're we're getting to the point now where we just always have to be upset about something. I was I was up dancing in my my what living room. It was like the only 20, 30 minutes I got to really kind of take a deep breath and relax. Really took your mind off the game. And after how bad I feel like the halftime shows were for most of the two thousands, the last five to ten years, you can really tell that the NFL is trying to at least get people of the younger crowd involved with the halftime show. I thought it was great, but I do feel bad for your buddy losing on that prop. Cause that is who would have thought our, our childhood icon smoking the weed. But to answer your question, you kind of led me with, I personally think that this was the best halftime show that I watched. Um, mostly because I remember during the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake one, I was actually watching saving Silverman and that was before DVR really was a thing or if you had it you were just just damn you have you have fucking tebow money i can't fuck with you so not everyone had it so that would probably still be my number one but i loved it of course you're gonna have the people coming out about the prince performance how can you hate it you know beyonce is getting thrown around i don't really fuck with beyonce prince i'm not nothing against him but that's 
that's not one of my guys. I understand if someone loves Prince, of course that's going to be their favorite. This is right up my alley. That night, that night, like late '80s, early '90s, bleeding into the late '90s hip hop, especially on the West Coast, Snoop and Dre, Eminem. I have, I have his first album in my CD player. Yeah, I got a fucking CD player still, and I'm looking at his vinyl right now. I love me some Slim Shady, Fifty Cent. How could you hate? I loved it because those. All those people are there because of Dr. Dre. So it's only right. And of course, the one person we're missing out on, Mary J. Blige, played nothing but bangers. She was looking bad as fuck as well. But I love the memes of her falling. And they're like, oh, this is, these are the toys when Andy gets into the room. And it's just her falling on, to, on top of the building of the stage with just a bird's eye view angle. God, awesome, awesome halftime show. And I am very interested in how they're going to one-up it next year in Arizona. And the memes talking about it, they, I think, have passed the weekend doing his frantic look around in the mirror house last year. Because the 50 Cent one, I think my favorite is because I love 21 Questions. Like I, It's my favorite 50 Cent song. Of course. Yeah, everybody and you, did. And if you don't listen to this, the Get Rich or Die Trying album is one of the top five best debut albums ever. You need to listen to it yesterday. 21 Questions, one of the songs on there as well as P-I-M-P. It, it was all-time album. All-time album. Absolutely. And, but he had that, what the, the one iconic line in there is that, I love you like a fat kid love cake. And now people have literally just, I love you, and it just blacked out all the other words up until cake. So it's just, I love you cake. So that's what 50 Cent kind of did to himself. And then the poor big guy now, he is big. Welcome to the club, fella. He's stuck there. Let what I guess hung upside down for how long? God knows how long he's sitting there upside down, just like, please finish your set, guys. I just want to do my song and get out of here. It's it's all going to my head and my singing candy shop. What the f- where also where am I right now? Yeah, it wasn't in that initial I guess hanging upside down picture from back in the day. He's just absolutely yoked. I don't know how nobody at any point was like, hey, you know what, man? You know maybe we just. Take this one standing. Uh, maybe that'll maybe that'll go over a little better. Just for shits and gigs, you should just be standing on your two feet. Just once to see how how it works. How that about you wear the outfit Kanye wore so nobody can see you? Why aren't you just Kanye? Okay, there you go. So yeah, and we won't even get into the Kanye debacle. Or holy shit, is that guy falling off a bridge? The Antonio Brown special. Hey, just let him be. Just let, yeah, I think it's funny that Kanye's never gonna let Pete Davidson near his kids yet. He's always hanging out with Antonio Brown. Call God. Business is booming. But Wally, we all know why we're here. I know it's probably pretty sappy. A lot of sorrow going through the house right now with the fam. But the Los Angeles Rams, who we all thought were gonna win it in the first place, right? Los Angeles Rams are now Super Bowl champions. The second championship in the franchise's history. And the first time that they won it in Los Angeles. Cooper Cup wins the Super Bowl MVP, which is kind of a nod of, hey, you know, I really think you probably should have won it in the regular season, but it's a quarterback award, so we're just going to give it to you here. After finishing the greatest wide receiver season in NFL history, there's a lot of question marks here that Wally threw on the rundown, but I'm ready, and I'm ready to kind of throw the challenge flag against anyone that says Otherwise, Matt Stafford finally gets his ring. And there, is some, there seems to be a short list of people looking to retire, but that list is very star-studded, with Sean McVay possibly on there. 
Before we get over get over to the Cincinnati side, let's talk about the champions here, Wally. What did you know? What did you think about the game, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford finally getting that ring? I'm glad that you started with the champions because that's what the story should be. Because the Rams did win this Super Bowl, even though people want it to sound like it was given to them. The Rams were the better team, and that's not fun to hear or say if you're a Bengals fan. But it's just the facts. I mean, the Bengals' offensive line. They knew all year, we've been talking for 12 months about how this was the problem with this team, that that is going to be what was going to hold the Bengals back. And that is a large part due to what that pass rush was able to do for the Rams. Aaron Donald, I know Cooper Cup won the MVP. Aaron Donald very well could have, and very much could be argued that he was the most valuable player on either side of the field. So I want to start with the defense. Because outside of the what should have been an offensive pass interference slash face mask on T. Higgins, the first play of the second half, the Bengals had 230 yards in this game. The Rams shut them down. An offense that has looked pretty good when they're able to protect Joe Burrow wasn't able to do that. Seven more sacks for this Rams defense. And Matt Stafford, again, so happy for this guy to have the career that he had kind of stuck in the desert in Detroit to now go to L.A., get it done, to get it done with Cooper Cup, where all year we've been kind of force-fed that they're best friends and they're hanging out every minute of the day together. It looks like it's working. Because Cooper Cup, yeah, he was arguably the best wide receiver season ever. If it wasn't him, it would have to be Jerry Rice in one of his 1980 seasons where he also did similar things in the Super Bowl runs. The Rams... So let me stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. Please do. Kind of like mid mid explanation here do you think it is the best wide receiver wide receiver season in NFL history i think it is i would probably lean yes because in no disrespect to matt stafford joe montana is well, i mean until tom brady erased him from history it was the hey joe montana is the goat and there wasn't really any debate about it so to have that guy throw in the ball to you is definitely something that helps of course, you can do the what came first, chicken or the egg debate, where it's like, was Joe Montana that good? Or did Jerry Rice make him that good? I think he was pretty good. <laughs> I think that it's kind of like the whole Brady-Belichick debate. Sometimes greatness can kind of work together, and that's what happened. But yeah, Cooper Cup, I, I would agree that it was the best season ever. You unlocked the memory I forgot I had about the whole Joe Montana is the GOAT. And then Tom Brady completely washed it. You're so right. I don't. I do not know how that slipped through the cracks of my extremely small brain. But that just shows how large of a brain you have, I guess. Uh, fun fact about Cooper Cup: He is the only receiver also joining Jerry Rice to win the Triple Crown, Super Bowl MVP, and the Super Bowl in their career. And Cooper Cup did it in one year. He achieved that in one year. And Jerry Rice has it staggered throughout through his career. Absolutely. He's the best receiver in the league, and you cannot deny that right now, this season, and currently right now. Absolutely. Obviously, you can see where the Green Bay fan base is going to come in. Say, Devontae, you can't tell me that was not Devontae Adams-esque. He was getting double teamed. The dude would not be stopped. He was they know where the ball was going defensively for Cincinnati. Matt Stafford knew where it went. Also, shout out on that no-look pass across the middle. That was fucking filthy. And no one could stop Cooper Cup. And also, shout out to Matt Stafford. He is the reason and the quarterback for the two most pro prolific wide receiver seasons in NFL history. 
The only reason the Calvin Johnson thing's not going to pop out as much is because they weren't in the playoffs, which is funny. Well, and another thing that you have to also tip your hat to Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford is that this team lost Robert Woods halfway through the season. And like you were saying, that the Bengals knew what was coming. For most of this season, teams knew what was coming. And even once they brought in Odell Beckham Jr., I will beat my head against a brick wall forever talking about this. But I have no idea where this, I guess, belief that Odell is back to New York form because of the touchdowns. Ignore my dog in the background, everybody. But, it, and of course she threw me off here, but when Odell did come in, he wasn't the guy that people thought he was. Yeah, he caught those touchdowns, but Cooper Cup was still the clear number one option here, and Odell kind of feasted off that, I guess, attention that he was getting. But in this Super Bowl even, Odell tears his ACL in the second quarter, which is a whole nother discussion on whether or not we should still be using artificial turf. Cooper Cup still had a very good game down the stretch, caught the game-winning touchdown, and Eli Apple did get torched in this game. But again, this is he was not the reason that the Bengals lost. The defense did a good job slowing down this Rams offense. Cam Akers wasn't able to run the ball outside of his eight-yard carry on the final drive. He had like 13 yards in this game. The Bengals' defense wasn't the problem. The Rams' defense showed up. They shut down the Bengals' offense, and that's what mattered. And the Rams were able to get a timely score when for four or five straight possessions on both teams, they had been punting back and forth. The game was sitting there to be won. The Rams did it, and the Bengals didn't. You did mention, though, before about Sean McVay and star-studded names. Like, Aaron Donald was kind of noncommittal about his future. The parade is pathetic as it was today, and we'll get into that after we're done talking about the Super Bowl. But at the parade today, McVay and Aaron Donald both kind of gave that let's run it back, the Tom Brady, Bruce Arians kind of talk that we saw in Tampa last year. And you'd imagine that that's going to happen. They will both be back. So that's big for Rams fans. What you will lose is one of the best left tackles in football, Andrew Whitworth, even at 40 years old. It's going to be very hard to replace a guy like that. Andrew Whitworth, yeah. And he was he was getting worked by Trey Hendrickson in that defensive line there in, in the game. So outside of hosting the Lombardi Trophy, I think it was pretty clear on that end. And he can leave, obviously he's a champion, but he can leave with that answer. And am, am I leaving some in the tank? Am I leaving it on the field? You know what, man? It was a long season. It's a quick turnaround, especially at 40 going into 41. It's a smart decision. We expect that. Let's check that. Eric Weddle with the torn pectoral muscle that he played through. I believe it was in the first quarter, which is awesome. You know that he's gone. And then we have Jalen Ramsey, who we haven't talked about. Talk about looking like a couple steps slower than what we thought. He was getting burned. He got burned by Jamar Chase for about, what, a 45, 50-yard pass right there in the first quarter. And then to start the second half, 75-yard touchdown to T. Higgins. The one call that was the biggest domino effect of all the makeup calls that ended up happening in this game. Jalen Ramsey clearly gets face masked and somewhat tossed to the ground. How could you not? That's a that's a very awkward position to have your neck go into when you're when you're mid-stride running that fast. That's why he falls. It's a clear OPI by T. Higgins. But the Bengals get the touchdown and looks like there's a lot of momentum riding into their favor here. So let's talk about said Bengals now. And what do you think about that face mask? And do you think that it was kind of like a precursor to, to just a sloppy ending, which we'll, which we saw? And 
will obviously get you a little bit more deeper at the end here. What was crazy to me is that for the most part, I actually thought this officiating crew did a really good job during the game, but like everything, they're going to be judged on a couple calls. And that, first of all, talk about the Jalen Ramsey play, because he actually, I know statistically, he had three big plays go against him. He played a really good game, and it's why being a corner is the worst position in sports to play, because unless you're doing something like Diggs was doing in Dallas this year, you're going to not be talked about a lot. Like it took Darrell Revis having Revis Island before people kind of really understood how special he was, what we were watching. Jalen Ramsey's a very special corner. That touchdown pass to T. Higgins, it was obvious to us at home, and it should have been called. But what I will say is that it was a very difficult position for the linesman to be in because that kind of looks like those back shoulder throws a little bit where the cornerback's going to keep running and then the receiver's going to cut under. The only thing you really could tell from his angle would have been the head moving, and that's where the back judge has to call that. Missed call there. Nothing you can say about it. It was blatant, should not have counted. That, what is weird about this is that they were letting them play, and that was quite obvious on that play. And then you call a ticky-tack holding call on third and goal to end the game. I understand why I'd be pissed as a Bengals fan. I would be. But I would also, if I'm a Rams fan, certainly remember that the reason you're in that position to begin with is the penalty that went uncalled. I have no problem with the officiating as a whole. It was a shitty call against Logan Wilson. But to me, I still think the better team won this game. Bengals get back to the drawing board. Get yourself an offensive line. Get yourself another piece or two in the secondary. And you guys are right back in the position to play in this game again next year. But I think the person I felt worse for out of everybody was Logan Wilson because he played an outstanding game. It was kind of his coming out party. Nine tackles, three for loss. He defended another pass before that call at the end. Just a real raw deal for that defense as a whole. I kind of want to take it off or piggyback off of the letting them play with the refs. I agree. I thought the refs did a great job, but the, the holding calls late, they they just clearly looked like all makeup calls because there was barely, there was about what, maybe four flags thrown until the last three minutes of the of the game. They had about four or five thrown there. I If you let them play, awesome. If you're going to call it bullshit, call it bullshit both ways. I thought they did a decent job at that, but it was just in the favors of the of the Rams there at the tail end, and no one could stop Cooper Cup regardless. Even Eli Apple getting burned here a little bit and getting a lot of trash talk here over the weekend on Twitter was, as much as I enjoyed it and I loved it, no one's going to stop that back shoulder pass. We've seen that from all the great wide receivers and quarterback combinations in the league throughout history. That is the one pass you're consistently never going to beat. The reason the Bengals lost this game, and to your point, Wally, yes, the better team won in the Rams, but I think that the Bengals had all the right to win because their defense was playing awesome. They were shutting down the Rams here for a while, and it was their offensive line. The thing that we knew was going to hurt them against Tennessee, and it did, but they overcame it. We knew it was going to hurt them against the Vegas Raiders. Somewhat did. They overcame it. They just kept overcoming. But I think this playoff had these playoffs and, and the Super Bowl just to cap it, cap it off, cherry on top. These playoffs, everyone's worst flaw came out, and that's why they lost this year. 
Now, yes, you could say that about any year, but I feel like this year it was really just zoned in. Green Bay special teams, the Bengals O-line, Jimmy G cannot get it done in clutch games, regardless of the bullshit records that they give quarterbacks. It was just so abundantly clear that that was going to happen. And Aaron Donald and the boys took over six in the second half. They just couldn't get it going. And like I said, Cincinnati's defense was playing awesome. They allowed Los Angeles not to get in any rhythm until the tail end here. Again, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. But man, did the Rams, Aaron Donald, and Vaughn Miller just come to play. Before I give you my reason why I think the Bengals lost this game, Going back to the refs for one second, because I forgot to mention this, and I'd love to hear if you notice this as well. The false starts that weren't called in the postseason this year, the NFL, I don't know if it was a point of emphasis to almost allow a little bit of, like, even if it's just a tenth of a second before the ball snapped. You saw it happen a lot, especially those tackles. Tackles are going to kick off really hard to try to beat that pass rush. And the reason I brought this up is that on that Logan Wilson holding call on third and goal. The play never should have happened. If you look at the right tackle on that play, he kicks off again, probably about a tenth, two tenths of a second before. And it was something that had been occurring all postseason. And it wasn't a, I guess, a game specific thing. It was all the games you saw. It would happen probably two or three times. And I'd never had noticed that before. So I don't, did you think that that was happening more this year? Or is it just something that I picked up on? Absolutely. Now I'm not like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. But I sit there and I'm like, okay, am I am I crazy? Did I not just fucking see that happen? And to your point, a tenth, two two tenths of a second, it's enough to notice the the O line typically moves with fluidity. Even a tenth or two tenths of a second is going to throw that off and make it look odd. I definitely noticed it. And I think they're being too lax with the two point stance. Not the two point stance. If they're just in the pass blocking stance without having to be in a three-point stance, which is that's where the false starts are going to happen a lot if offensive linemen are are down in the three-point stance. And for them to be able to jerk up and look around, but even the guards, when they were in their three-point stance, I saw a lot of movement like it was a center kind of picking out who's the Mike linebacker. And I was like, and I was wondering the same thing. I was like, okay, is this now the new traveling in the NBA and they don't fucking call and they just call it all willy-nilly and then they call it when shit really matters? To your point, yes, I, I did notice it. I don't think I noticed it. on. I, was, I wasn't pointing it out every play. But when it happened, I was like, okay, I think, I think that was a little bit fast and I think they missed that one. Yeah, and again, I hate to keep just bringing up like instances because – Again, I, I think the refs did a pretty good job letting them play. What do we always say is that we'd rather watch a game like this than a game where there's 12 penalties both ways. But even on the Bengals' first drive in this game, they had fourth and one at the 49, I want to say. It was right around midfield. And Aaron Donald was lined, like, offsides. And I mean, like, clearly offsides. His whole helmet was perpendicular to the football. And they didn't call that. And that's a, a thing that you typically see when it's that egregious. But again, I would rather them let them play. And if you're going to let them play, that's established early and often in the game. I think that's where Bengals fans have had an issue with the Logan Wilson call. But again, this is where you want to say, this is my reasoning. If Why the Bengals lost this game, it's not just the line. Yeah, they gave up another seven sacks, which, crazy stat, 19 times Joe Burrow was sacked this postseason, which is five times more than anybody else in postseason history. He was sacked 70 times overall this year. That's third most all time. 
gotta protect this guy. You even saw again in this where he sprained his knee. Protect him. Well, luckily, it's not another ACL tear like like we saw with Odell Beckham. He's not going to require surgery. He's going to be able to go through rehab and get this. But, my goodness, how many times do you not only need to see your own quarterback on his back, but around the league? That that was a problem up in Seattle with Russell Wilson. That Josh Allen getting sacked a lot. Aaron Rodgers was up there like midway in his career. You're going to end quarterbacks prematurely. And I think we can all agree that Cincinnati has seen – quarterbacks and their and their tenure there prematurely and what happens in the aftermath they need to get this right and i'm sure you'll and with you alluding to this I already know where you're going next so i don't want to steal your thunder love the police echo in the background too you gotta love that but i do want to a, a couple things here i do want to say is that i think that this is a game that you got to see where the bengals maturity was too because I guess just a couple examples, on their second-to-last drive with about six and a half minutes to go, the Bengals were starting to get a little tempo on offense, finally moving the ball a little bit, and they were running the ball finally. Joe Mixon was criminally underused in this game, and I'll get to that. But in that game, or in that uh, final drive there before, they had like a third and nine, and Tyler Boyd had a seam route over the middle, or not a seam, a slant route, excuse me, and he dropped it, and he would have had a clear first down. Who knows what happens if he gets that? Then you go to the final drive for the Rams. They have a fourth and one on their own 30. Cooper Cup, Jep, sweep, first down. Then, of course, on the Bengals' final drive, they have the third and one. Not really sure why it was Samaj P. Ryan and not Joe Mixon, who he had 15 rushes on Sunday. He had one that went for no gain. Samaj P. Ryan had two rushes. Both went for no gain. They get stuffed on third and two. It's third and one and a half or whatever. I just think that the Bengals had plenty of opportunities to go out and win this football game, and they just didn't take advantage of any of them. And that's where I have a real difficult time blaming the... I almost said the police because of the noise. But that's why I have a real difficult time blaming the referees in this game. Again, yeah. Like you said, Zach Taylor not being able to use Joe Mixon. One of the guys that got you there. Remember that fun stab that they were the first team in franchise history to have... What, a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers under the age of 25, and you let him ride the bench? What, was he smoking weed in his hotel room like Malcolm Butler? I don't give a shit. He's a reasoner here, and that dude's put up those stats with that shitty offensive line. Put him in. And for the most part, Perina's your guy for the passing downs. If you're not even using Joe Mixon, who's very decent, who's very – how can he be very decent at something? I feel like that's still like a backhanded compliment. Who's very good in the receiving aspect of his game – I don't understand it at all. But something I thought you were going to allude to, but you didn't. So now I am going to allude to it. Zach Taylor, with that extension of 20, through 2026, first thing in order, offensive line revamp. We'd have to take a look at their cap situation. That's something in the next few weeks that we're going to go over. Are they going to have a total revamp and make some moves like the Kansas City Chiefs did last year? We'll see what that defensive side of the ball looks like for the Cincinnati Bengals. But man... Another team in the AFC, sucks for you, awesome time to be an NFC guy, yet again, and who day? The Bengals, they had one of those Buffalo Bills kind of welcome home parades almost last night or two nights ago when Cincinnati did get home, outpouring of support outside Paul Brown Stadium. It's one of my favorite things in sports is when you see a long-suffering fan base finally get a little bit of success, and when it's 
I guess on the back of someone like Joe Burrow or a young team like this where they know they're going to have him for a long time. I love seeing that kind of energy out of a city that you're not used to seeing it. And the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be around for a long time and get used to saying Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor for better or worse. But the Los Angeles Rams parade. I understand that LA's never been a traditional football market, at least professionally. They they usually will represent when USC's doing well. That was embarrassing. There were not nearly as many people as they had claimed. I think I saw upwards of, uh, I want to say they had either 100,000 or, or something like that they expected. That was 100,000, and I, I need to get, I guess, my eyes checked out for what 100,000 looks like. <laughs> Did it feel like they had that many people to you? Said so they expected a hundred thousand people, Wally. Before I even before I even get into, I didn't even see I didn't even see the parade. I was too busy. If you guys follow me on Instagram, I was too busy slut shaming LeBron for being like, oh, we should have an all LA championship thing. It's like fuck you. You got a you got a asterisk bubble championship going on two years ago, dude. You and your receding hairline need to go fuck off and soak in some nice Merlot, whatever they do. So the city of Los Angeles, as of 2019, has just roughly under 4, 4 million people. They were expecting 100,000. 0.025-20797 of the population to show up. That is a fucking joke, first of all. Second of all, I don't even want to look at the parade. I don't even give a shit about the parade. No one gives a shit about Los Angeles sports. If it's not the Lakers, and I would say the Clippers, but we've never seen them have to go through a parade. The Clippers would have the same boring reaction. You already know it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, how did it look better than the the Dodgers parade? I need need to flick the old telly on. I need to check this out myself. Guarantee that the Dodgers had more people there. LA's not a football town. They don't care about football. There's a reason why the NFL didn't have a team there for so long. I said it earlier on Twitter, and and this isn't like a, a shot at Bengals fans, but I felt worse for St. Louis today than I did for Cincinnati because St. Louis cared about that team, and Stan Kroenke purposely tanked that, I guess, franchise until he could get out. As soon as he bought him, he was already trying to move to L.A. He knew that that was going to be good for him and his personal pocketbook, and he said, screw St. Louis, fuck Stan Kroenke, all my friends hate Stan Kroenke, or whatever the hell the meme is. Yeah, that dude's an all-time cuck. I am. Uh, we are not a fan as much as as many of the people I do like in the Rams organization. If it's players, it's a, if it's a coaching staff or the GM Sneed with the fuck the draft picks or whatever whatever that saying is. Uh, t-shirt that he was wearing today. But yeah, that dude's just an all-time cuck. That that's such a fucked move, and I feel bad for the city of St. Louis, but. They're celebrating a championship indirectly for their city, but hey. Oh come on! They don't. They don't want to claim that. Yes, they do. Oh, get out of here! Like twenty fourteen, the fucking Blues that lost in the Stanley Cup final. They won the Stanley Cup two years ago. Well, I forgot. Okay, it's an asterisk bubble Stanley Cup. Uh, They were before the the bubble. They were in Boston. TD Garden was sold out. Don't we have something else we have to talk about other than football? It's clearly I'm out of my realm in any other sport. <laughs> no, that's actually perfect. We'll, we'll, we will switch gears here. And a little bit, I guess, still on Super Bowl, but changing a little bit, is Richard Sherman attacked Matthew Stafford in his Hall of Fame credibility this week, 
saying that if he got into the Hall of Fame, it would effectively turn that into a participation award. I don't think right now Matt Stafford is a Hall of Fame either. It's going to be up to the voters, obviously, how they're going to decipher this era change of football because if we're going strictly on stats, then we're going to have to get prepared for a lot of people in the next 20 years to be Hall of Famers that wouldn't have been in the past. When you say Matt Stafford, does it resonate Hall of Fame to you the way that I say Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger? Because to me, it's a literal tear down. And if you're not in the elite of the elite, how can we talk about you as a Hall of Famer? Does he line up? No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go ahead and say that he's one of the greatest of all times, but if you look at the numbers, he is gonna be hitting the top ten here to the next season, season and a half, two seasons on a lot of the major categories, passing yards, passing touchdowns. Uh, I feel like there's I feel like there's one more that I'm missing. Uh but really just to, just those two. So he's not that far. He's bo- he's ranked at twelve at both of them right now. And I think it's funny that Richard Sherman, the this guy speaking, the guy who is has even cracked the top one hundred in interceptions. I want to say he has even he's he has even cracked top fifty in passes defended. This guy's living off two really good seasons six years ago. Stop being an asshole. It's not cool anymore. It was really cool when you were very good at your position and you can be cocky. Who doesn't like an antagonist like that? But now you're just being the crotchety old man that just has a more successful podcast than me and Wally. So that makes me hate you a little bit more. Like, why does that dude get the following? Anyway, dude's just being an asshole. I don't even think Richard Sherman should be in the in the Hall of Fame. And I do think that Matt Safford should be in the Hall of Fame. Because this proves that it wasn't just Calvin Johnson. Did he help? Absolutely. Just like Cooper Cup is helping. Matt Stafford is a stud. Even though I was dogging on him the last few games of his of his shitty play. You know what? He came. He proved himself in the, on the biggest stage. Made a playoff run. Proved Los Angeles why he should give up. Why they should get give up what they did to acquire him. And over the next couple seasons, he's going to be starting catapulting into the top 10, top 8, possibly top 6. But isn't that and because of the era, though? It's the pass-happy era. Like, How are we going to just pretend like the game hasn't changed in the last 15 or 20 years? Again, I'm not saying he's a Ben Roethlisberger, any of those guys. And yes, I know Drew Brees, Roethlisberger, Aaron, Russell, they're, they're taking advantage of that, and that's their game. And we give them respect, and I'm not putting them all the way up there, but yeah, they also took advantage of that. And maybe if they didn't have the same rules, maybe their yardage is a little bit more down, right? But maybe Matt Stafford would still be in this realm with 10,000 yards less from each quarterback because take away 10,000 yards. Say maybe that's the rule, right? Because they're benefiting the offense so much. You take away that, we're still in the same spot. He was chucking it up to Calvin Johnson triple team half his career. I just, he was gonna get. He was gonna get yards regardless. It just amazes me that you have certain guys out there from the past that haven't gotten into the Hall of Fame because their stats don't match up when they're playing 14 games a season, and because like the metric was, hey, you weren't the best at your position in this era. Now we're going as far to have a guy that in the last 20 years, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers. I mean, there's so many guys that you can list out here. I mean, even already, like Patrick Mahomes, there's so many guys that I would rather have said, hey, that guy is better than Matt Stafford is at that point. Matt Stafford's a very good quarterback. 
but it is the Hall of Fame. It is not the Hall of Very Good. I just have a hard time putting him in there and putting him in the same breath as Tom Brady and Joe Montana because that's what you're doing. You are linking them forever as soon as you put him in. He can get there. I just don't think he's there yet. If he wins another Super Bowl, adds another seven to 8,000 yards. Yeah, you know you know what the other quarterbacks have had in front of them? More time playing quarterback and more time throwing the football. Don't tell me Drew Brees didn't benefit from it. Don't tell me Tom Brady didn't benefit from it. Don't tell me Ben Roethlisberger. They all didn't did, but are you telling me that they are not or were not better than him? That is my question. Is he on that level as those guys? And I would take every single one of those guys before I would. That's take my Matt point. Stafford. That's my point. But how many more years do they have that? What if your opinion changes in four years and the student wins two more Super Bowls and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Shh, shit, Matt Stafford isn't too bad. I'm not ready to throw him up there, but I'm not ready to throw him to the side and say it's not possible because he still has a lot left in the tank to add on to the stats to be a top five passer. Maybe he ends up top five in touchdowns. And we could have a different story in five years. But it's funny because we're going to have the same fucking argument in about 10 years when it's fucking Derek Carr and you can't no, deny won't. that. No, it won't because I won't be arguing for Derek Carr to make the Hall of Fame. Derek Carr, if he played on the Los Angeles Rams this year, there's a realistic chance that that team still wins a Super Bowl. I would not be advocating for Derek Carr, even though the Derek Carr was a top five passer in the league this year in terms of yards. Is Derek Carr a top five quarterback? No, I'm not making that case. All I'm saying is that Matt Stafford is a very good quarterback. He is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. No one will ever take it away from him. But if we like knock Jalen Hurts for his garbage time shit during the year, there were so many years that the Detroit Lions were 6-9 and nine and playing a meaningless game in Week 17, and he'd throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns, and that's running up his stats. I just, I, I think he's an, a very good quarterback. But I almost said outstanding, and I didn't on purpose because he's not. I just don't water down the Hall of Fame. That's my point. And if you are, then start putting guys in there like the Eli Mannings. Start putting Matt Ryan in. I don't care at that point. That was going to be my next argument. What do Go you on, feel no. about Matt? What do you think? No. Matt Ryan. Are you throwing Matt Ryan in there? Get the hell out of here. Not a chance. You throwing Eli Manning in there? I would put Eli before those two right now, but no, I, I also don't think that he's Jimmy Would you take Plunkett. Eli Manning over Matt Stafford? Because of the historical relevance around what he did, yes. It's like when you take a football from the first game that would played here, or the, the, the game that they scored 65 points, they beat the ninth or 18-0 New England Patriots. That is literally an iconic moment of NFL history. That's why I'm more inclined to put him in. And again, I still don't think he deserves it. He's 2022 Jimmy Plunkett. That's what he is. Has a couple Super Bowls. Stats aren't there either. Let's see. Ben Roethlisberger had five years on him. So did Eli Manning. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has a year on him. I'll get Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's looking good here. Philip Rivers had five years on him. Aaron Rodgers four years on him. Peyton Manning. What are you? What are we arguing? A decade. What are we trying to argue here? The product is not finished. Matt Ryan will be a Hall of Famer. Give it. That's his a career. joke. Give him. Give him the time that we gave these people. If we, if we, okay, cut, but that's my point. Is this just, is it turning into the Hall of hey, Stats? Let's, is it the Hall of cut, Stats now? Okay, is that, well, if, if it is, that's great. Let's throw them in. 
Let's cut Peyton Manning stats. Let's play 30 games off, a year. Off six years. Let's play 30 games a year. They played 16. What they, the fuck they are you talking about? They played 17 now. That's what I'm saying. You got five extra years of that. It was one. Year. It's the first year. That's going to turn into close to a half game. a season. If they play oh six more God. years, that's six more games. Bend over. I'll fucking show you half a season. Let's hear it. So maybe next year we'll have a nice new debate about who the quarterback of the winning Super Bowl team next year, if they're going to be able to be qualified for the Hall of Fame. Way too early Super Bowl, what, 57 predictions here? Well, I'm going to toss it to you while I kind of brainstorm over here because I didn't throw it on the rundown. All right, that's actually good because I want to give an explanation while you're thinking that I really, I wanted to almost think outside the box a little bit just to have a conversation where Kansas City and Cincinnati are going to be the teams everybody is like going to think right away. I think the other team that a lot of people are going to be on is Buffalo. And if Buffalo in that division, much easier than the AFC North and AFC West, if they manage to win the AFC in the regular season next year, bring Orchard Park home field advantage, I think the Bills are going to represent the AFC and they're going to win the Super Bowl over to San Francisco 49ers. God, I wanted to be edgy. I really wanted to be edgy with the NFC because if Aaron Rodgers leaves, I, I think that there's it's kind of wide open. There's not really that elite team you think of when you look at the NFC. It took all I had not to be an idiot and put either Chicago or Philadelphia trying to make a, a little run here if they kind of have their own little Cincinnati Bengals 2022. But I, I think they're both going to be a little farther away. But I like what they have set up right now. But San Francisco... I think they get there. Got to trust Kyle Shanahan. I do eventually think that they get over the hump. And then who knows? Maybe they can blow another fourth quarter lead for him next year. I am with you on Buffalo coming out and representing the AFC. We'll see. And this is why it's really fun with the way too early predictions. We'll see what Cincinnati does with their O-line. We'll see if Kansas City addresses anything in the offseason with their with their defense and their secondary Tyron Matthew is in a contract season. We'll see if he's going to be able to come back. Maybe the Chargers are going to end up doing something. Maybe Aaron Rodgers ends in Denver, and that totally flips the script. Maybe Josh McDaniel sets the league on fire, and Derek Carr and the Raiders are a completely different team. This AFC is insane, but I like Buffalo coming out on top. And with all the shit that they have been dealing with these past couple of years in the in the postseason, I like it a lot. What I also like is not a murmur of the Baltimore Ravens between us two right now until this moment. Lamar Jackson does not know how to throw a football. So fuck that guy. The NFC is very hard. Very hard to predict and and guess. I like the San Francisco pick. I'm curious about who your quarterback is in this way too early prediction. I am unsure where I want to go. So I'm going to be a homer and I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills against the Green Bay Packers. Which isn't a horrible pick. That's what a lot of people picked this year. Or at this time last year going into this past season. But during the playoffs, that was you know one of the more favorable matchups people were picking for. I'm going to go with Buffalo versus Green Bay. It's going to be a rough time if that's actually the case. And they do have a meeting during the season. So a possible Super Bowl preview. And whoever loses that game, just chuck money at, uh, just chuck money at, that, at that loser to win the Super Bowl. I'm really happy, though, you brought that up. Because I almost put Green Bay myself. Now, I, I have to get the hypothetical. Aaron Rodgers is gone. You obviously imagine Green Bay is not that team. In the world that he leaves, I'm putting you on the spot. Who's coming out of the NFC? 
And this is why it sucks being the way too early predictions. You don't know, like, I, it's an easy pick. I want to I want to take the Rams again, right? We'll see how that defense is looking between all these retirement whispers. We'll see, we'll see how they address the Andrew Whitworth left tackle being moved. That's, that's a very hard guy to replace. So we'll see how they're looking. But I'll keep it in division. Kyler's going to end up being happy with everything that's going on, with all the shady shit, apparently, of him unfollowing them on their unfollowing the Cardinals on Instagram. I think they're going to get it right. We'll get J.J. Watt back healthy. DeAndre Hopkins hopefully back healthy. We'll see what they do with A.J. Green here. Maybe re-sign him because he's not going to have a lot of value on the market, but maybe just enough to bring him back on a lucrative deal for you guys in the front office. Arizona Cardinals versus the Buffalo Bills post Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay, which isn't going to happen because of this point coming up next. You're right, and... The point coming up is worth talking about. But on breakups of Aaron Rodgers, will Devontae Adams be a Packer next year even if Aaron Rodgers comes back? Or is he losing two famous people in his life? Only one. Shailene, is that even her name? Eh, Fultonar Stars girl. That's all you got to say. Who? The The Fultonar Stars. The girl that's like, you know, that stupid movie where they're like, Hey, I don't actually like this cigarette. I just put it to my lips to show that I have the power over cancer. Yeah, I know. That's just like adolescence in a nutshell. Uh, But no, fuck her. No. Fuck Shailene Woodley. Her and Aaron Rodgers have called off their engagement and they're broken up. I love it. The succubus has gone out of his life. He's going to see clearer now. I swear. I I promise he's going to look in the mirror and be like, who the fuck is this guy? I got to stop smoking peyote and I need to get back into the film room. He's going to cut his hair, get back to it, have a clearer mind, get a fat contract extension, franchise tag for Devontae Adams to make him stay. We'll make some moves. We'll make it work. We'll mix and match. But Aaron's not going anywhere now. The succubus is gone. He has cut the strings of from the puppet master. And now... He will go for his third straight MVP and fifth overall to tie Peyton Manning. So stay tuned for the trilogy starting here in September. I love the fact that girls will be infatuated, and I say girls as if I don't watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette myself. They'll be infatuated with the reality TV shows. And then I think my favorite off-season Packer thing on earth is watching Aaron Rodgers' love life and trying to factor it into how the Packers are either going to have a really good following year or not. Think about Olivia Munn when she got, I guess, broken up with with Aaron Rodgers. Well, well it's, not like, it's not even all that, right? We didn't really see his, we didn't see his, the consistency of his game change at all when he was dating. And I don't mean to cut you off, Olivia Munn, uh, Dan, Danica Patrick, whoever, whoever else you want to kind of throw in there. But you noticed, and... And I'm not, and excuse, you know, excuse me, I'm going to sound extremely offensive, but why not? It's my podcast. But then all of a sudden, Shailene Woodley came in and like, he started defending himself. Oh, you know what? Uh, This actually isn't cool. And then he just got like this, the real true air in California just came out of him, just seeped out of his pores. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, dude, congrats on the sex. Congrats on on the first girl to not... To not try to leak stories of you being gay. But dude, come on. Just stop being an asshole. It's amazing though. Because he was... Or I feel like when Olivia Munn and him broke up. People in Green Bay or in Wisconsin celebrated. Because there was some kind of weird tie-in with how the team was playing overall. But it was like kind of tongue-in-cheek. Then 
Danica Patrick thing happened, we kind of joked about it too. But with Shailene Woodley, we saw, like you said, he just dipped, not even dipped his toe. He went head first into the hippie, hipster, I'm a douchebag millennial kind of thought. And who knows, maybe he does change back now. We all know that person that just kind of like, we, we joked about it a few weeks ago, maybe months ago. He is Ann Perkins in Parks and Rec. He like decides that whatever their personality is, that is also my personality now. So I don't know. Maybe he can start dating Synthony Freeland and become a, a super statistician and maybe be good at analytical football or something. And that can be his new wave into Packers fans' heart. I don't know. I, I, I think that I think that his time is, is over in Green Bay. I just don't believe it. And with that, that is gonna bring us to the end of the second regular season that me and Walter got to cover here on Loss of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook at Loss of Down and Twitter down underscore loss. Thank you for everyone who's listening. Most importantly, thank you for Wally, especially these last three weeks. This man makes it all happen. He makes us sound better because we definitely cannot sound worse. He's the reason this, this thing thrives. And before I wrap it up, what are some parting words you have for our guests? So just keep an eye out for what we decide to do with the schedule. I know last year we did still a show a week, depending up until the draft. If things are busy, I'm sure we will. But if it's not busy, yeah, you can probably expect us to kind of go bi-weekly a little while here. But I guess my final thought for you guys is that now that the regular season's over, beer and football season's over, the Las Vegas draft pick, or the Las Vegas draft, I should say, the trip, is only a couple months away. I'm going out there as I always go to the draft, and I'm going to skydive for the first time. How I'm going to skydive is I have to weigh 250 pounds. So over the next few months, this boy right here has got to lose some weight, and this is me making you guys know that I have to hold myself accountable if you're ever going to see the disturbing me pass out video of falling out of a plane. So I will give you reports back every episode. Big things coming. And by big things, we mean Little Wally. Let's go. The second Little Wally to be on the podcast, if you guys catch my drift. It's been awesome. Cannot wait for the third season of covering the NFL here at Loss of Down. He is the co-host, Wally Lukashensky, the man who makes it all go. I am Stephen Weed. I wasn't here last week when, we, when I was able to shout it out. Shout it out, my girl, Abby Turner completing her last round of chemo. Let's fucking get it. Also, shout out to tabbies.com, our sponsor here, the premier Delta 8 edible here on the market. Make sure you use promo code football for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. And of course, abbyturnerphoto.com, our two sponsors. Love you guys. Can't wait for next year, but we're always a week away. Or like Wally said, maybe two weeks away. He is Wally. I am Steve. We are lost and down. Until next week, we have no bets for you. I'm sorry. Have fun betting NBA, guys. Abby, you're the goat. Also, extend Derek Carr. 40 mil a year. How are you feeling about that? Pretty excited, honestly. I don't care what he wants. I, I just have already decided that the Raiders are going to have Derek Carr for life, and that's going to be good enough for me. I, I'm, well, I don't need anything else. Well, we don't have to really have to pay Henry Ruggs, so there's not a number one wide receiver yet. Ugh. <sighs>